Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. Continuing our focus on sparkling wine, we move away from France and into Spain to look at the Cava style of sparkling wine. Cava is very unusual because it covers quite a lot of Spain, several different regions. And this is because um, when Spain joined the EU, it had to uh, follow EU regulations. And when it comes to wine, it's all about the place. The name of the wine must be where the wine comes from. So, for example, Champagne is from Champagne. Bordeaux is from Bordeaux. But Cava is not from Cava. What they did was create a huge DO which covered several regions and said that region is Cava. And that was a, a neat way of getting around the EU regulations. And the advantage of that was that because it, it covered a lot of uh, the area, many producers could use the Cava designation which has a global uh, reputation and, and appeal. The disadvantage of that is that it limits geographical regionality. There's no sense of place when it comes to Cava. When, with Champagne, we immediately think of the place. With Cava, we do not. And so some of the regions it covers include Valencia, Aragon, Navarra, and Rioja. But most Cava is made in Catalonia. So 95% of Cava is in Catalonia, and that's mostly in the Dio of Penedès, just outside Barcelona, based around the town of Sant Sederni de Anoia. Most of this wine is inexpensive. 85% of Cava is below $20. And there is a real emphasis on quantity over quality. So it's not just that there's a lack of regional definition to Cava, it's also because producers are not going for quality. And that's something we'll talk about as we go through the region. So Penedès is a moderate Mediterranean climate, much warmer than Champagne. But there is that Mediterranean influence which does cool things down slightly, and there is uh, levels of altitude as well, so it gets cooler as you go further up. So the history of cava. Sparkling wine in Spain started in the 1850s, but the modern cava industry was begun by Josep Rivantas y Facho of Corinio. And he went, he visited Champagne in 1872 and loved the wines and came back wanting to make the same style. And so he, he was the first to ferment the wines in the bottle and using local grapes as well. And cava name was created in 1970. It simply means cellar. Before that it was called Champagne, so they got rid of that, called it Cava, and exports began to rise once Spain entered dem democracy after the death of Franco, and then the, joining the EU in 1986 helped uh, open that market up as well. So uh, Cava, very uh, popular around the world. There's 20 million uh, cases of Cava made, and 66% of those wines are exported. So although not as much wine is made as, as in Champagne, actually more Cava is exported than Champagne is. Two brands dominate in Cava, Cordonieu, as I just mentioned, and also Freixenet. And Freixenet were established in 1889. And these two brands um, dominate, but don't really agree with each other very often. And this is a problem because it prevents innovation, it prevents change, and Cava can be quite stuck. Cordonieu, as I mentioned, the first to use traditional grapes, but also the first to use Chardonnay in the early 90s, planting in the Rimat area, which is inland, much more continental climate than uh, Penedès's Mediterranean climate, and they rarely use malolactic fermentation for their wines. Freixenet are more conservative, and they were against the non-traditional grapes, as they're called, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, in the 90s when they were being introduced, but they've succumbed, and now their high-end wine, Alicia, has Chardonnay and Pinot Noir in the wine, so kind of forced to adapt. And there are 32,000 hectares of plantings in Cava. And so which grape varieties are planted? The local grapes make Cava distinctive. 
different from everywhere else, but they are boring. They don't really produce high-quality wine. And that's why Cordonier started using Pinot Noir and Chardonnay in the 1990s. These wines are better, more interesting, but they are more uniform, more like the rest of the world. Champagne has these great varieties, but so do California, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. And those regions have quite a similar climate to um, Cava, to Catalonia, so the wines are less distinctive, but they are much better. So it's quite an ongoing debate and controversy about which grapes should be used in Cava. But those local grape varieties dominate the plantings. Macabeo is the most planted, with 35% of plantings. Uh, on the plains and low altitude is where Macabeo is planted. Growers like it because it's an early ripener. It ripens before um, autumn rain will come in. And also it's late budding, so it um, avoids the spring frost. The aromas here are green apples, and it's quite a fruity. It really adds the fruit to earth cover, with fairly high acidity. After that is Charolo, which is 24% of plantings, and this has aromas of green gauge and gooseberry, and it gets earthy, especially when it's overripe, and also when it ages. And this is planted at low to mid altitude. And Charolo is by far the most interesting of the local grape varieties, it has the most character, the most flavour, and the best, most body as well. And it has that structure which it will maintain even under ageing. And so uh, it's the only one of the grape varieties which really works for aging and that's the grape that will be the dominant part of a wine that's uh, considered worthy of aging. The third one is Parieda, 22% of plantings and this has finesse and floral aromas and it's planted at high altitude and that's because it lacks naturally high acidity and so plantings of 300 meters or more will maintain that acidity. The issue with that is that it ripens late, especially when it's planted at high altitude, and rot can be an issue. So different from Macabea, which early, ripens early. So Parieda is a, a tricky one to work with, but still 22% of plantings. Then there's Chardonnay, only first planted in the early 19th, but that's 9% of plantings now. So it's become quite widespread, has body, finesse and peach aromas, ripens very early, which can be an issue if you want to get that body and structure to the wine, so it's important to choose the right clone and the correct rootstock. And then going into more minor grape varieties, Trepat is 3% of plantings, they're into the black grapes here, and this is only used for rosado, or rosé, it's not actually allowed for white. So again, thinking about the traditional aspect of cava, they were against um, using black grapes for white wine. It's very different from Champagne, where Pinot Noir and Mernier are used for white Champagne. So for a long time, people were opposed to that, and Trepat is still not allowed for white wine, which seems a little limiting. And this will have raspberry aromas and high acidity, and is considered relatively high quality. Garnacha is 3% of plantings, strawberry aromas, and Garnacha has naturally low acidity, as we know from uh, red wine, and it oxidizes quite quickly, which is an issue if you're aging the wine. It's not really as suitable as Trepat or as Pinot Noir. 3% of plantings only, and this has delicate perfumed aromas and is considered the best grape for premium rosado. Again, it's important to use the right clone and rootstock, remembering that the Catalonia area is warmer than um, Champagne, so different growing conditions. And there has been, in recent years, much greater research on clones and vineyard management, uh, pests, canopy, and, and also harvesting earlier, which have seen uh, big improvements in um, Cava. The trade structure in Cava is broken down into growers, producers who make base wine, producers who store wine, and then producers who do everything. So those categories do overlap, but then of course there will be growers who simply sell the grapes and there'll be producers who have to buy uh, base wine in. Other rules in cover for aging. 
Non-vintage and vintage are both aged for nine months on the lease minimum, and this means that it's hard to detect many autolytic aromas in these wines. There'll be some faint bread, yeast, nutty aromas, but very hard to find. Reserva, 15 months on the lees. These will have more depth and more of those autolytic aromas and higher quality. And then Grand Reserva is 30 months on the lees, which can be a bit much for those native grape varieties. Chorello can withstand that aging, but the others can't. So you're more likely to find Chardonnay and Pinot Noir in these wines which have been aged for longer. Rosado is different from Champagne. Champagne rosé is made by adding red wine. Here, Rosado, as in the rest of the world, is made by bleeding the grapes, so having skin contact, so that the colour comes from that gentle um, bleeding, so you get that nice red colour, and that will be uh, quite deep and fruity from the warmer conditions and from those grape varieties they're using. The Pinot Noir rosé or Rosado will be a bit more delicate. One important innovation in Cava is the Girasol, or the gyro palette in English. This was invented in the 1970s as a much quicker and more efficient way of riddling the grapes. So this huge cube spins round, transfers the dead yeast cells in the bottle to the neck of the bottle. So that's what happens with riddling by hand, but riddling by hand takes up to eight weeks. The Girasol, or gyro palette, will just take five to seven days, so much more time efficient and that has been adapted all around the world. So to conclude, Cava has lots of issues with quality, a lack of sense of place, producers not focusing on quality, really that inexpensive area, and that's what most people associate Cava with, and so it's difficult to persuade people to spend more on Cava. Some producers have actually left the Cava designation. Uh, most important one of these is Raventos y Blanc. They left in 2012 and make their wines under the Penedes Dio, just because they feel the Cava is so limiting and that it has uh, a negative reputation which affects their own wines, even though Raventos y Blanc are quite a good producer. But some producers are trying to raise the bar. And in 2016, a new designation was introduced, Cava de Paraque Calificado. And this is a high-tier designation, which is designed to highlight premium cover, to encourage producers to make it and also consumers to buy it. And the rules here are quite strict. It must be single site, that's what parake means, and this that site is designated by authorities, it's awarded this designation, and that site must be a state-owned as well, the winery must own it. And there are only 12 of these parake at the moment that have been awarded the designation, though there are more to come. But those strict rules mean that there won't be too many of them. The vines in the vineyard must be at least 10 years old, and the harvesting must be 8,000 kilograms per hectare, that's the yield, and those grapes must be hand-harvested. And then the ageing, they must be aged for at least 36 months on the lease. That's three years, the same as vintage champagne. So getting those autolytic aromas, more character and more complexity. And the wines must be either brut or brut nature. In general, the best cava, and this is the stuff that gets exported, is brut. And that's, that's uh, that has to be the case for cava de paraque calificado, so the drier style of wine. And certainly uh, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Chorello are most likely to be the great varieties for this designation. So that's Cava. There are some moves in the right direction, especially in the vineyard and then this new designation, but still issues with the quality and quantity ratio. So thank you for listening. I'm Matthew and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.